Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, you go ahead and have a seat. Give him praise. Thank you, worship team. So, so good. Amen? Well, my name is Casey, and uh, I get the exciting privilege to kick off a brand new series with us this morning. It's our summer series, and it's called Wide Open Spaces. And I got to tell you that I am so excited about this series. I'm excited about every series we do, to be honest with you. How many of you enjoyed the I Am Jesus series that we just came out of? Like, that was so good. There's still truth bombs that I'm chewing on from those messages that were preached on I am the seven I am statements that Jesus made. And I want to tell you that this morning, as we kick off the Wide Open Spaces series, uh, you are going to be radically transformed. See, here's the thing. We're going to look at this thing called grace. We're going to look at this thing called grace, which I'm so excited to talk about. I I could pee my pants almost. I'm so excited. But you got to have grace on me, right? See, grace is I believe the most important overarching theme in all of scripture. It is from beginning to end by God's grace that you are even sitting in this room this morning. And grace is something that not the the world doesn't understand. And a lot of us don't understand grace. Grace is actually what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. I mean, some some people in the world, they want to say that every religion leads to the same path. Don't they all believe the same thing? They might ask you, what is the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world? Isn't it the same thing? No, the thing that separates it is grace. Every other religious system in the world is a system that is based off of man's good works, trying to climb up some good works ladder and earn favor with God or earn acceptance with God. And grace says it doesn't matter what you do. You can never earn it. You can never be good enough. God's grace, his goodness is extended to you no matter what you've done. To take it one step further, grace says you don't even need to try to earn his love. You don't even need to try. Somebody in this place ought to praise God like they believe it. You don't even need to try. See, this is going to, this series, I guarantee is going to mess with some of our religious mindsets. It will. It's going to wreck you. I'm telling you, it's wrecking me. And when you get this, it will radically transform your life. Grace says you do not even need to try for God to love you. He already does. And grace, let me tell you this. Grace is not a New Testament thing. It's not a new covenant thing. Grace was from the beginning. As a matter of fact, grace was actually in God's heart before the foundations of the world. The Bible says that before the foundations of the world, the lamb was slain. It was already, you were already in God's plan. You were already in God's heart and his mind. He already chose to love you and me and every person on this planet by his grace before you ever showed up on the scene. Grace says that when you and I were at our worst, God gave his best. Outside of your action, outside of your behavior. See, so much of religion is about behavior modification. You know what I mean? Like, before you come in here, you better clean up a little bit. Get your act together. Get things straight in in your life before you come in here, and then you can be accepted. 
You got to stop doing this or stop doing that or whatever it is that's going on. But grace says you can never earn it. You can never accept it. And it's going to destroy your religious mindsets this morning. Let me just say that. So I want to strongly encourage us and challenge us in grace that this summer, I know that summer's busy. I know that we go traveling, there's camping, there's all these things. I want to strongly encourage you to get here every Sunday as much as you can. We're going to go through grace. We're going to unpack grace. There's going to be some things and some moments. I guarantee you, I promise you, that will challenge you, transform you, get a hold of your life, and set you on a new trajectory with Jesus. I'm telling you, church, if we get a hold of just how amazing God's grace is, you will never be the same. This might just be the best series of the year. I'm going to say that right now, Pastor Ben. No joke. I believe that this will. I mean, I am Jesus. That was a good series. You know, empowered. That was a good series. But when you get a hold of grace, look out. And I believe that we are living right now in a culture and a time that is grace hungry, but grace starved. I mean, we live in this culture that is driven by performance. And what I mean by that is that we have a mindset that what we do equals who we are. We see life and we see things and we think that our identity and our value come from our performance and our accomplishments in this life. And grace just totally wrecks that. I mean, think about it. Right now, if you go to like a factory or maybe your workplace or whatever, there's these boards, these systems that are set on. It says, how many days without an incident? You know what I'm talking about? Those safety boards that are there, right? So maybe it's like, I've gone two days without, we've gone two days without incident. We've gone, you know, 30 days without incident. I read online that there was this uh, factory, this power plant in the UK that went a thousand days without incident or an accident causing incident injury to any of their employees. And when they asked the CEO of that company, what do you attribute to the success of this? He said this, he said, well, what we've developed is we've developed a safety culture. Church, what if we lived in a grace culture? How much would it impact our world in a grace culture that says it doesn't matter what you look like? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what sort of lifestyle you're in right now. It doesn't matter if you blew it last night. You are welcome here. You are welcome into the heart of God. God has made room for your mistakes. God has made room for your mess ups. Actually, in your mess ups is the message of grace. In your mess ups, God's grace can actually fully be seen and known. It's in our weakness that he is made strong. What if we had a culture of grace? I want to tell you, it would radically change the way that the world sees the church and the way that you see yourself. There's this grace, thirst, and hunger in the world today. And I'm not just talking about out there. I'm talking about in here. I mean, how many of us are sitting here in this room living with a constant fear of failing God? Oh, you might not say it, but it's there. Come on, let's be real this morning. How many of us sitting in this room are here right now this morning with a sense of guilt or shame? Feeling like we don't and we can't and we never measure up. Saying things like, I'm not a good Christian. 
Let me tell you, friends, there is no such thing as a good Christian. There's no such thing as a bad Christian. You are in need of the same grace that I need. It's his same grace that covers my sin, that covers your sin. There is such a thing as a mature Christian and an immature Christian, but not a bad Christian and a good Christian. I mean, how many of us in this room relate to God in a performance-orientated way? Let's be honest. Grace is probably one of the most important factors of Christianity, yet it's one of the most misunderstood attributes and theological concepts of God. I don't even get grace. I mean, I'm starting to. The Bible says that you can grow in grace. I'm starting to understand it a little bit better. But for years of my Christian life, I lived as if my salvation depended on me and what I do and not on him and what he did. So I promise you that as you come to see grace, the amazing grace of God, it's going to transform our church. I'm just setting that out right now. And I want to start this series by looking at two aspects of grace. I want to look at what grace is. And second to that, I want us to look at what grace does. See, sometimes we treat them like it's the same thing. And if we focus only on what grace is, and we don't look at what grace, grace does in the life of a believer, then we actually lose out on the power of grace in our life. Grace, what it is and what it does is, is like a cause and effect. It's like two sides of the same coin. And, and if we put them both together, what grace is and what grace does, then what happens is we have God's grace unleashed in our lives. And that's what we want, right? That's the title of my message this morning. So you can write that down. Grace unleashed. How many want that in your life this morning? Few of you do. That's good. For the rest of you, there's grace. All right, so let's look at this first point, what grace is. Here's a fantastic definition of what grace is. And if you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. I'm sure that this will come up over and over in the series that we're in through the summer, but you need to get this. As simple as this is, this is actually really deep. So grace is, we're going to put it up there. Can you see it? Kind of. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. Let's say it again. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor and kindness of God. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to deserve it. And you can't do anything to merit it. His favor and his kindness. As a matter of fact, his grace is the only reason why you woke up this morning. Listen to what Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 10 says. It says, once... You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Whew. That'll talk at you. You were once dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Everybody say all of us. All of us used to live that way. Now, you might be like, no, I'm not that bad. 
Like that, that's pretty harsh. The devil, the commander. No, 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 no. I grew up in church. Like I'm bad, but I'm good bad. I'm not that bad. Like I'm not like them out there. No, 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 friends. Grace equalizes the playing field. It says we're all in the same boat. No matter who you are, what you've done, you're all, we're all in the same boat. We're all deserving of the same grace or in need of the same grace. Undeserving, but in need of the same goodness and grace of God. And actually, the grace of God was personified in Jesus Christ, who came to die on the cross and give his life for us while we were still sinners, while we were still dead in our sin, while we still lived according to the ways of the lusts of the flesh and the desires that we had in our life. It equalizes the playing field. Listen to this. It says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. No, the next time that you point to somebody out in the world that's not as, as, as good as you are, remember this scripture. You're just like everyone else. The drug addict, the murderer, you're just like everyone else in need of the same grace. Now, sin has a different consequence here on this earth, but the penalty for sin has been paid by Jesus Christ. His blood was shed to completely pay the penalty for every sin. We, we put it on levels, right? Like, oh, there's white lies, you know. I lied for the good of protection. No, a lie is a lie. Sin is sin. It doesn't matter. Same plan, just like everybody else. You're in need of the same grace and kindness of God just like everybody else. He says, but in verse four, it says this, but God is so rich. Whew. We could just close the book and go home right there. But God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much. Say this right now with me. Just say it, just cause. Say, Jesus loves me. See, I mean, we say it sometimes, but do we really get it? Do we really understand it? Or do we think that his love is based on how good we behaved last night? Do we think that his love is only extended towards us when we, uh, when we attend church, you know, three out of four times in a month? Come on, man. It's the, it levels the playing field. We're all in the same place in need of God's grace, in need of his love. He loves us so much that even though we were dead in our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that we were saved. It's only by God's grace that you were saved. It's like, come on, I might have contributed a little bit to it. Like, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty nice guy. How many of you know some nice people in this world that don't believe in Jesus? That do a lot of good things. There's philanthropy, if I said that right. And like, Looking after, there's a lot of good people that do good things in this world, but they're not saved because of their works. The only way that you get saved is by believing, because it's by grace that we were saved. Verse six, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us to, to us. God can point to us in all future ages and examples as the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness. 
You know what he wants to show now for an example of his grace and his kindness? Me. That in spite of my mess ups, in spite of my sin, in spite of blowing it, in spite of not getting it right all the time, I still love him. He's still my son. And as a matter of fact, Casey doesn't even need to try. He just needs to believe. When you get that church, I'm telling you, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor and kindness of God. Wow. Verse 8 says this, God saved you by his grace. When what? What does it say? God saved you by his grace when you believed. It wasn't when you cleaned up your act or had 30 days without incident. When you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. So none of us can boast about it. So none of us can boast about it. Let me tell you, friends, that you might think that you can boast here on earth. You might not say this, but we act like this sometimes. It's like, you know, I made it to church. This, I, I gave, did you see what I gave in the offering, God? You got to bless me. Like, you, you owe me, God. I've been a good boy. You know, some people, you ask them when you show up on heaven's gate and doorstep and, and, and you know, Peter or Michael or John or whoever is standing there says, why should I let you in? Jesus said, well, you know, God, I've been a pretty good person. I went to church. I gave my offering. I helped little old ladies across the street. There is no boasting. When you stand before Jesus Christ. And you see those holes in his hands and his feet. You will fall to your knees and say, only, only by the grace of God am I here. Only by the grace of God. Because the truth is, it's all about his grace. His grace that saved you will keep you. You got it. This is maybe the biggest struggle for us. As we treat the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did, it's like, well, his grace got me in, but it's my good works that will keep me in. His favor and kindness toward me, now I actually got to pay him back. Like now I actually got to earn it. I got to keep myself good enough. And that is not grace. The same grace that saved you will sustain you and will keep you. Yeah, you can give him praise for that. Somebody got that. So listen, this is what I believe that God's trying to say to us this morning. Stop believing the lie that somehow after you received God's grace by faith, you need to keep his favor by your works. That wouldn't be amazing grace. That would be amazing you. And honestly, friends, you're not that good enough. You're not gooder than grace. Grace says that 
There's actually nothing that you can do to take away God's love and actually nothing you can do to earn God's love. I know this is simple. It's simple, right? We've heard it. But do we really understand it? Does it really impact our lives so that we're transformed to live it? Just this week as I was preparing, I, I went to Krista the other day, my wife, and I'm like, I'm like, this is changing me. Like just as I've been diving into what grace is, I'm like, I want to do things differently. I want to, it will change your parenting. Because grace-based parenting will go after the heart and not the behavior. So often we correct the behavior and not go after the heart. And we think that if we can keep our kids in line so that they behave properly, that they'll turn out okay. Let me tell you, friends, they will reject it and run the other way. Just look at the state of the church right now. How many young adults are running away from the church? Because we, uh, we tried to attack the behavior and not go after the heart. But when God gets your heart, you will never leave him. You will never walk away, no matter who disappoints you, no matter who lets you down, no matter what you go through in life, because you are anchored in the goodness and the grace of God that is unmerited, unfavored, unearned. It's his goodness and his grace that will sustain you and keep you. And it transforms the heart. The behavior will come. But when we focus on the behavior and not the heart, we get in trouble. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why so many young adults are walking away from the church. Because we've given them this message that says, you got you to be like this. You got to do this. You got to act like this. You got to get in line. You can't drink. You can't smoke. You can't party. You got to put away the dancing shoes. You gotta, and maybe all that's true. I don't know. God will work that out. But why are we calling this message wide open spaces? Because God's grace gives you space to work out your salvation with fear and trembling daily. Our standard is not God's standard of goodness. When did we become the standard of what God's grace and goodness looks like? When did our measuring up become the level and the plumb line that people need to live by? God's grace is the only thing that we should adapt into our hearts and our minds and our spirits and treat people like they are his favorite, even though they might not look like it, because that's how he treated you. That's good preaching right there. Yeah. Romans 11, verse 6. Listen to this. And if it's by grace, then it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. His grace is a gift. All you can do is receive it. Now, how many of you know that when you receive a good gift... So let's just say somebody gave you a car. You know, maybe they bought you that Q50, where's Pastor Shane? Maybe they bought you like this crazy expensive, I gave my son for his birthday a little, he just turned four, a little matchbox car was a Bugatti. Anybody guess what the price tag on that Bugatti was? Three million dollars. U.S. What if somebody gave you a Bugatti? You'd be like, what's the catch? What do I got to do? Sell my kidney? Like, and then you live the rest of your life. Like, what can I do for you? If I can help you with anything, please let me know. Like, if you need your lawn mowed, if you need gardening done, if you need your house cleaned, if you need your floors waxed, I'll do it all. No, grace is a gift. All you can do is receive it. And if it is works, if it ever was works, then it's not grace. 
That's what the Bible is telling us. Grace is entirely a free gift in its entirety, or it's not a gift at all. It's not grace at all. You didn't have to earn it back then, and you don't have to earn it now. It's his unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor and kindness towards you. It's a free gift because of his goodness, not based on my goodness. Another definition I want to just share with you this morning that I read in the, uh, the Baker's Encyclopedia of Bible defines this. Grace is the dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference. How many have ever been indifferent before? You know, like indifference is like you knew the right thing to do, but you just didn't care. I've been there. But it's the ability of, that enables God to confront human indifference and rebellion with an inexhaustible capacity to forgive and bless. It's inexhaustible. His mercies are new every day. <laughs> His grace is inexhaustible for an exhausted world. For an exhausted church. It's trying to live up to some level of performance so that God will bless them. His grace is inexhaustible for him to forgive and bless. You might be like, Pastor Casey, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what my past looks like. Let me tell you, friend, you don't know what mine looks like. Only by grace am I what I am. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. And God's grace is inexhaustible and it's free. The only thing that you can do is receive it by faith. We neither save ourselves, nor do we keep ourselves saved. Let me say that again. We neither save ourselves, nor do we keep ourselves saved. So stop trying. We're like, no, I got to do something. I got to do something to, to, to break free. No. It's only by his grace that you will get freedom in your life. I guarantee it. You know, the Bible says, it says he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. Do you know what you need to do? You need to believe. Well, does that mean that my works don't matter? That's not what I'm saying. I'll get to that in one sec. That's what grace does. But unless you receive what grace is, you will never get to the point of what grace does in your life. His free gift given to you. The blood of Jesus paid for your sin. Let me say this, and I might go into this a little bit more, but let me say this, and this might challenge us a little bit. Your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, will never send anybody to hell. It's been paid for in full. Do you know why people go to hell? Unbelief. Because they choose not to believe that his grace is for them. But your sin, my sin, has been paid for in full. It will never send you to hell, ever. The only thing that will get you into heaven is believing by faith, through grace, that Jesus died for you. Only Jesus. Yeah, you can give him praise for that. Somebody's getting it this morning. And grace is found in a person. 
His name is Jesus. Grace, what is the definition, church? It's the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. So again, you might be sitting here going, well, does that mean that my works don't matter? Like, can I just do whatever I want and get away with it? Isn't that our fear? Right? Let's be real. Isn't that our fear? No, that's not grace. Listen to what Ephesians 2 verse 10 says. This is the final verse of that, that chapter or that, that group of verses that I was reading. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that, so we can do good things planned for us long ago. So why in his grace did he save us? So that grace by his power and his goodness and his mercy and his favor and his blessing extended towards us so that we can do the good things that he's planned for us long before we ever showed up on the scene. So why do I give? Because of his grace, because of his goodness. Why do I serve? Because of his grace, because of his goodness. Why do I obey? Because of his grace, because why would I not want to be in right relationship with him through grace? Here's what I'm saying. This is what grace will do for you. When you truly get God's grace, when you let him in, when you let grace in, when you receive the free gift of grace, you will want to do things differently. Grace does not give us a license to sin or live any way that we want to. Grace does not say that our works don't matter to God. They absolutely matter to God. But grace doesn't determine whether his favor or kindness will bless you. Or, or our works don't determine wh whether his favor or his kindness will be extended towards you. Listen to Romans verse five, or chapter 5, verse 20. It says this, God's law was given so that people could see how sinful they were. His law was not given so that you could be good enough for God to accept. It was never based off of works. The Bible tells us his law was given so that you could see and I could see how sinful we are. It's like go through the list, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. Ooh, guilty. Sorry. White lie. Uh, it's okay. God will sweep. No. Thou shalt not murder. Oh, Jesus said, you know what? If you hate your brother, you're a murderer in your heart. Guilty. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. I've never done that. I've been married 18 years, never cheated on my wife. Thou shalt not look with someone else with lust, Jesus said. If you look with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Guilty. Every one of us, the, every, the whole world, our mouths are stopped when we look at the, God of God, the law of God and we try and justify ourselves. It levels the playing fields. And he said his law was given so that people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. So just as sin ruled over people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Everybody say instead. Stop living that your, his goodness depends on you. It doesn't. You know, the only people that keep us, God doesn't keep you to a standard of perfection. He doesn't keep you to the standard of his law. You keep yourself there. Like it's us that says, yeah, but I blew it, God. Yeah, but I, no, no, no. God says it's forgiven. It's paid for. Now just go and be who I called you to be. Forget about that stuff. Go and live in the identity and the purpose that grace paid the price for you to be. 
So just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them, brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in chapter 6, he goes on to say this. He says, well then, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. That's ridiculous. Why would you want to keep doing something that Jesus paid the price for you to be free? Mm -hmm. He says, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. You don't have to go back to that habit. You don't have to go back to that sin. You don't have to go back to that abusive relationship. It's been paid for in full and you can walk by grace in freedom. Since we have been united with him in his death, we shall also be raised with him in his life. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. It's only by grace that you're not a slave to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will live with him. And we are sure of this. Watch this. We're not uncertain. We don't live day by day, moment by moment. You know, days without incident. No, we are sure of this. Why? Why are we sure of this? Because Christ was raised from the dead. How many believe that? Jesus was raised from the dead. So you can be absolutely certain that you will inherit eternal life by faith, through grace, in Jesus Christ, never by your good works, ever. Never by your good works, not by your track record last week. Why am I so passionate about this? Because how many of us are sitting here going, I don't know if I'm going to make it because I cursed out my kids because I, I, I did something that I don't know if God can forgive me again. Friends, it never was by your good works and it never will be. But grace sets you free from the power of sin. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and we will he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives to the glory of God. What's that? Jesus died, broke the power of sin, and he's still alive to the glory of God, just like you and me. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Now, just the fact that Paul says do not let tells me that there's a choice that I need to believe. There's a choice that I need to believe that him dying on the cross, paying the penalty for sin by his grace actually does have the power to set me free. There is a part that we play. We believe. We don't manage our sin. We believe in his power sets us free from sin. Do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. 
Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to what is right for the glory of God. Listen to this. Sin is no longer your master. Some of y'all living like sin still your master. You keep going back. You keep revisiting. Whether you're stepping into that action of sin again and again and again and again, or you're living in the guilt and the shame and the condemnation, you're living like sin is, is your master still. And when you live like that, you know what that gives you? That gives you discouragement. That gives you depression. That gives you a sense of hopelessness. But when you live like the blood of Jesus has paid the price for all of my sin, all of my past sin, all of my present sin, and all of my future sin, he's paid it all so that I can walk in the newness and the freedom and the forgiveness that he freely offers by grace. Sin is no longer your master, for you do not live under the requirements of the law. You don't live under good works anymore. Instead, you live under the freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Oh, say it again. Freedom. You live under the freedom of God's grace. You live under the freedom of God's grace. What is grace? Grace is the unearned, undeserved, unmerited kindness and favor of God extended to all of humanity. What does grace do? It provides a way for you to live under the freedom of God's grace. Under the freedom. You're free from that sin. You're free from pornography. You're free from lust. You're free from gossip. You're free from jealousy. You're free from comparison. You are set free by his grace. Woo! You better get up right now and give Jesus some praise. Let me tell you, church, it's only by grace. It's so good. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Your grace is good enough. Your grace is the anchor. Your grace propels us forward to good works, which you prepared beforehand for us to walk in who believe. The Bible says that the law came through Moses. But it says, but grace and truth came through Jesus. See, grace empowers you to live out what truth calls you to. It empowers us to live out what truth calls you to. I'm going to invite the worship band back up. The truth is, grace doesn't lower the standard. Grace actually raises the standard. Grace helps you forgive that person who hurts you. Paul says, it's because of the grace of God that I am what I am. Grace doesn't push people away from holiness. Get this. Grace will not push you away from holiness. Grace actually pushes you towards and propels you towards holiness. Why? Because he's that good. It's like, why would I want to mess with that stuff anymore? Because I got this in Jesus. He's that good. I don't want to go back to that sinful because he's that good. His love is so deep and so rich and so wide. He extends it freely for me. Why would I want to mess with that old life? 
grace is unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor and kindness of God. And when we understand God's grace and just how much he loves us, then I believe that it will affect us so much that we will want to entirely give ourselves to him. I'm going to ask you all to stand right now. My prayer this morning is that his grace would wash over us like a, like a fountain. That his grace would get a hold. You might be, this might be your first time in church this morning. And if this is your first time, or maybe you've been here before, you've been checking it out. And someone were to ask you like, do you know what grace is? You're like, I never heard of it until today. Listen, friend, even if you don't believe yet, he loves you. Even if your life is a mess, he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. Sin simply means that we miss the mark. And God's mark is perfection. And you and I could never live up to that. Only Jesus did. And God sent his son, Jesus, to shed his blood to pay the penalty for all of your sin. So that you could be made right with God. And the only thing you need to do is believe. It's the only thing that you need to do right now is believe that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross 2,000 years ago was enough to pay the price for your sin and my sin. And if you want to do that this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're here and you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never chosen to place your faith and your trust in him, you've maybe been thinking, well, I hope I make it to heaven. I've been a pretty good person. No, 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 no. Let's end that now. And just simply believe that his penalty that he paid on the cross was enough. And if that's you, I'd invite you to put your hand up right now. Go ahead. I'm just looking. Yeah, God bless you, brother. Maybe you've been going to church your whole life and you still think that it's based on your goodness. Put your hand up right now. Just choose to believe. Just choose to believe. Anybody in the balcony, just choose to believe right now. The Bible says that if you put your faith in Jesus, you will never be put to shame. God bless you. So, Father, you see these hands that are raised right now. There's no formula. But I pray right now that your grace would just get a hold of their hearts and completely transform them. Save them. Deliver. Extend your mercy and your kindness towards them. Fill their hearts with your love and your acceptance by grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Just one more thing I want to do as we end. I I know we're getting close to 11 o'clock. The rodeo's on today, all that stuff. But listen, as I was studying to get ready for this, I learned and I come across that the Greek word for joy is chara, C-H-A-R-A, chara, kara. Some people pronounce it kara. You know what the Greek word for grace is? It's charis or charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. And chara, joy, comes, it's a derivative of the Greek word for grace. 
So do you know what grace does? Come on, church. Come on. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church. 